www.audioaudio.com. Hey guys, it's Justin. When you get done with this podcast, do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating and a positive review, and then head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. As always, for all of our content, go over to garageathletes.com, sign up for our newsletter. Today on Garage Athletes, we talk about why specialized programs are the quickest way to get to your goal, how to assess what type of program you need, and what goes into making it. If you are a real badass on a budget, this is a podcast you've been waiting for. Welcome to a uh, very special, and now for a special edition of Garage Athletes Podcast. Um, <laughs> today we are going to uh, we're going to talk about uh, program design, but specifically how to kind of try and develop a program um, to make you better at CrossFit in general. Right? There's a buttload of programs to. Um, to, you know, to try out there, there's, there's all kinds of programs that you can just go on. There's thousands of them, right? Brandon, do you agree? Thousands upon thousands. <laughs> everybody so, has one. Everybody's got one. And they, it's like a butthole. They're like a butthole, yeah. <laughs> and there are good ones out there, and there are bad ones out there. Um, but uh, if you want to be as good as you possibly can, <laughs> not buttholes, programs. <laughs> not buttholes, programs. But if you really want to be um, as fit as you possibly can in, kinda in all things, um, there are a couple things that you need to do. And just doing a general program, no matter how good of a general program it is, probably isn't going to be the best bet for you and um and we also know that the large the vast majority of people that are doing this especially people training at home they can't necessarily afford um individualized programming because that is so expensive even though it is the best thing um for you to possibly do um if it's a good individualized program that is there's also a lot of individualized programs or people that are doing individualized programs that aren't so good um so we're going to talk today a little bit about um, what it takes to create a specialized program, um, and what goes into that. And, um, and yeah, let's just get started. So Brandon. Hey everybody. <laughs> hey Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on, uh, today we're talking about the programs that we're going to be, uh, we're going to be offering in kind of like a hierarchy of, uh, things that, that, uh, we look at when it comes you to sound so excited about it too and when it comes well I'm thinking and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah Brandon, when, when Brandon I, think, I get serious my sarcasm <laughs> goes away and I get serious <laughs> but people don't understand or know when I'm being serious and being sarcastic because we were I mean, just talking about that too yeah so it kind of goes hand in hand if you're sarcastic yeah. a lot of times and you try and be serious it's frustrating too it so is. so we are going to try and be a little bit serious um, which is which is not normal for us but we're gonna try it. Um, because this is a serious subject and we are going to be offering um, what we consider a specialized uh, program. So not an individualized program, but more of um, kind of a cool system that we can do testing from and then, and somebody's blowing stuff outside, um, that we can do testing from and then basically get the best um, overall um, outcome of anybody because it, it's not just going to be a single program. It's going to be multiple programs that we put you in. So, um Let's before we do that. Let's start talking about like kind of the four basic things um, that you need to worry about if you're creating a program, anyway. So, um, what would you say the first would be, Brandon? 
the first one, the very first thing would be building uh, is getting your foundation. And for me personally, I always look at uh, in individuals. Well, I put them through an FMS assessment, that's Functional Movement Systems uh, Assessment by Dr. Gray Cook. I've become a big fan of his lately and um, just trying to do more and more research on how to make my uh, my clients uh, more resilient to injury because what what do we found what do we find now more and more all these people are getting exposed to crossfit but then you always hear uh injuries happen doing this injuries do it happen doing that especially that, the better you get the better you get and even for the new the beginners so you have that like you have those people right in the middle who have a good balance and that come into the gym three to four days a week then they go outside the gym they do their weekend warrior stuff just have fun with the family but then you have those beginners that come in they're always getting hurt or they always complain about this or that and then you have the elite guys in there that's just been just hammering putting the uh just pounding that pavement bracing the grind so to speak and uh just working through it but well found is um movement pattern is becoming the biggest thing and it's just not movement pattern like right now we see people all the time since kelly stark rat came in and he does mobility work well that mobility has been awesome for a lot of trainers it's been great for uh crossfit it's been great for the whole fitness community in my opinion because you know you have a lot of people that are really focusing in on mobility kelly Starrett made stretching cool and that Absolutely. was that was really tough to do because yeah. nobody likes stretching but now you're like the cool kid in the corner has voodoo bands uh, all over your body. Oh, he's serious. And he's got bands set up on the rig, and you're doing all these funky stretches. I mean, that that makes you <laughs> – It takes 30 minutes to yeah, set up for the stretch that set, you're going to do for 90 minutes seconds. Just for the stretch, and now you feel like a badass. And people walk into the gym like, that dude's a badass just because he's stretching. Now, that's cool. You know? If you can feel like a badass stretching – You've done a, you've done something really good. Well, let's take but, a let's take a step back for a second, yeah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, to take Wait, it, can you repeat that last thing? But we so sorry. We we were just watching before we did this. We were talking about um the top ten things to say in a meeting that make you feel like you're way more involved in it than you were, and that was one of the things. So, um, but I, I do want to <laughs> talk about. We talked with uh, Professor um, Yuri Fato mm-hmm. about injury prevention right and specifically about every thousand hours that you put into the sport of fitness you have approximately three injuries which that might sound like a lot but we also found out to go back and listen to the podcast um i believe is what is it podcast five like, or six yeah anyways whatever I mean, it's one of the first um ones. Go back there and check it out. Um, that walking had like 1.9 every thousand hours. Yeah. So oh, yeah. yes, we know that that fit that CrossFit isn't necessarily an inherently um, crazy dangerous sport like a lot of people think it is. But injuries do happen, and at this point, I think it's um, I think it's it's pretty obvious and it's well known that in order to get really good at something, the consistency is the most important part. Mm-hmm. And what is the thing that stops anyone who's driven from consistency? Because if you're already driven, you're not just going to stop because, you know, you've got, um, I don't know, you've got issues with your parents or something like that or your job stuff. You're going to fit that in. But injury is what's going to stop you from the consistency. Right. So if you can make yourself as close to injury-proof as possible on the front end, it sets you up for success further down the road. Right. And – to go along with that, I mean, we, like we said, we've talked about mobility. And to go back on that, I mean, that's a 1,000 hours of CrossFit. You know how many classes that is? That's a 1,000 classes. 1,000 classes. You know how long that would take to get a 1,000? If you went every day, that would be three years. So one in, Check that math you just did. Seven days a week or five days? Five days a week. Uh, five days, yeah. That would be three years <laughs> of you right? actually yeah. doing – that's pretty close. Yeah. That's it's pretty four, close. Yeah, four it's years. Yeah, yeah. It's four years. I mean, you're three or four years. Anyways <laughs> – 
Just so go, not that, so go to a math. gym and work out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. And go to one that doesn't know what they're doing. But to go along with mobility, uh, all these people, like we have some clients now that are always in here stretching. They got hypermobile shoulders. They can go like they can touch their back. They can touch their middle of the back just by reaching over their head. Yeah, people don't think about that. But, people think about people getting hurt because they're tight, bad yeah. internal rotation in the shoulders or whatever. But the opposite, the, the other end of the spectrum is just as true. If you're hypermobile, mm-hmm. you don't have the stability. You don't have stability. And that's what I was going at was now that we have people that are getting mobility and they have really good mobility, but they're still having some kind of pain or some kind of uh, discomfort in their movement. Most of the time, that's going to be a stability issue. And whether that comes from old injuries that they had whenever they were kids, you know, bad knees, bad ankles, uh, shoulder injury, wrist injury, you're going to have some kind of compensation in the body. So that's where the stability comes in. So that's why we use the FMS assessment and certain other exercise, uh, certain other tests to see where those instabilities are in the, in the body and see where we can have compensations at. And then if we can eliminate those uh, in the beginning and set that good foundation uh, for the body and movement, and uh, keep them balanced in the body, that's going to set them up for a longer, healthier, more enjoyable uh, experience uh, in their program. But you have to do that on the front end that 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 would that's what, what you we would be on the called front number one and and how would you do that obviously the best thing to do would be to go see an art specialist or or physical therapist or or really good coach where you're at and have them actually look at you and assess you one-on-one in person um again money being mm-hmm. an issue and that's kind of our whole thing right people badass on a budget so what is the next best thing to do that well a simple video that you send in and have someone watch if you can't do that um, can take care of most of those issues right off the bat and just a simple assessment test that can be done. So so that's what we would say to address first, like before you start working on your aerobic capacity, before you start working on your strength. I mean, rather if you're a, a new CrossFitter that um, had just started and you literally have no background or you're a college athlete or you've been doing this for five years, if you want to start down that path today, start with that, the mobility and stability. You need both, It's and they are two different things of the same kind. Um, anything else on that one? Uh, no, yeah, and it's just uh, like uh, Justin said, it's like going out and seeking a professional or somebody that works in this and somebody that's familiar with doing uh, movement assessments. It doesn't have to be the FMS assessment, uh, exercise professionals, um, throughout all kinds of different fields in the uh, fitness community they make up their own uh, movement tests but usually they're going to involve a few things uh, one's going to be uh, the squat preferably the overhead squat is what you're going to look at, uh, look at. Um, the next one's going to be a trunk stability push-up to make see uh, see what kind of upper body strength and uh, core uh, core strength you have and in, uh, in that movement and then the other one's probably going to be like some type of single leg movement, whether it's an inline lunge, a hurdle step, um, just to see the asymmetries in the body when you're moving with one, uh, just with one limb at a time. So those would be three things to really make sure that you look at or take video of and watch yourself and uh, to see how you are and how you perform with those three movements. Yeah, the single, the single leg type stuff and the anti-rotational stuff is something that's not really thought about that much in CrossFit. If, if you're already a CrossFit and you're trying to get good at it, um, but it, it, it is very important because it does come back to that stability piece mm-hmm. and everybody wants to work their core. They want to do a buttload of sit-ups and GHDs, but that anti-rotational portion is actually what your midline is used for, and that's what your, your core Everybody knows how much I hate that word, but the, um, you know is is used for. Um, and and again, we went. If you want to go back into it, um, 
a little bit more about that, we had a chance to talk with uh, Dr. Jared Hull specifically about anti-rotational issues that he sees in athletes, and that is one of the most common things that he sees that that, that, that are an issue for him. So, um, again, super important on any level, rather if you're just beginning or you got accepted to the CrossFit Games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, moving forward well, after that. I just want to chime in and say I agree with everything. <laughs> yes, Nick. Can, uh, Nick can, Rhodes. We do, can we draw a circle of what, how do we start and where do we finish? And what's that sweet spot in the middle? <laughs> Let's do that. Let's get that going. If you guys, you guys got to check out this. Um, I think it's, it's, it's medium.com or just Google um, 10 tricks to appear smart during meetings. And if you're an executive, you will thank us. Um, but <laughs> it sounds like an inside joke. Everyone at your meetings that doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so next thing I want to talk about is is strength, and not saying that it's the next most important thing, although you know it's debatable. Um, but everybody loves strength. Everybody wants to be strong, especially if you're in the functional fitness world. Um, but I want to talk about absolute strength versus capacity and its relation into the sport of fitness and, and what um, and what you need if you are trying to be good specifically at CrossFit or, or functional fitness. So, Brandon, um, can you talk a little bit about um, the difference between an absolute strength um, and then maybe speed strength and and the actual capacity of that, like muscle contraction and stuff like that? Uh, absolute strength is, like I said, uh, we're looking at the main the main lifts and any kind of uh, – well, Sorry about that. <laughs> we're looking at we're looking at the main lifts. I'm uh, whenever I'm thinking about absolute strength, I'm thinking about the squat, deadlift, and press. And uh, the higher you are in those lifts, the stronger that you are. The more weight you can just physically just brute strength pick up off the ground. That's what we're looking for. So you're looking at absolute strength. You're looking at the guys like a Westside Barbell. They try to get their absolute strength up as high as possible. Uh, any other power lifter. Um, Olympic weightlifters, not so much. What they're doing is more of an explosive, uh, explosive strength. But what they train to get that explosive strength so high is their absolute strength. So you're never going to see a, a Dmitry Klokov who can, you know, clean and jerk 500 pounds. Well, he does pause front squats with a 500 pounds. Yeah, absolutely. And he'll sit in the bottom for five seconds, stand up, and <laughs> it looks like I have 135 on the bar. Yeah, Dimitri Klokov's yeah. also, you know, a, a bodybuilder now. So, I mean, yep. he has a very, very good range. He is a very well-rounded strength athlete. I mean, we, we wouldn't consider him to go into regionals um, for no. CrossFit just because of his conditioning and the type of genetics that he has as a fast-twitch athlete. But um, it's interesting when people talk about power and power lifting specifically because there's actually more power development um, that's seeked out um, in the second pull of a clean or a snatch, and that's what weightlifters are looking for. So it's confusing to some people when they think about powerlifting. Um, powerlifting, although they are very powerful, they're actually looking for absolute strength. Um you know that that second pull of the clean or the snatch is is really where there's more develop there's more power developed um there's actually a research study done where um there's three times the amount of power developed at the second pull of a clean at the same percentage of your one rep max for a clean as there would be for throughout the entire pull of a, of a deadlift mm-hmm. at, at, at that percentage so there is more power output there um, so don't get confused when you hear powerlifting and weightlifting. Weightlifting is very much so looking for um, that actual power. How fast can you move that barbell? Um, right. But obviously powerlifting is as well. But, yeah, so that would be the more one rep max, the maybe even as not more than three rep max um, 
of type of thing that we're looking for when we're talking about absolute power. And Brandon, what would you say that how does that correlate into CrossFit or grid style type um, workouts? Uh, basically, uh, Mark Ripto said, the, uh, "Stronger people are harder to kill and more useful in general." So, uh, <laughs> if you have a if you have a strong human being on your, he's got uh, some qu- great quotes too. Oh, he's got some, if you like him or not, man, he's super. He's one of the most polarized like yeah. strength conditioning coaches in the world. You but know, he's got some great damn quotes. He's got some. He's got some good quotes, and you know, he's probably done more for strength conditioning community than just about any other yeah. person has him in and, um, the past it, fifty to sixty Lord. years. Yeah, and because uh, I mean. He might he might be kind of redneck a little bit whenever he talks. That's why I like him, and he's got some great analogies. But that man is a very smart man when it comes to uh, the the body and knowing the, and knowing how it works. So strength is but very very important. Absolute strength, strength, strength is very important. absolute strength is very important. And what you'll see you'll see these guys, um, especially the elite CrossFitters. Um, most of them now, most of the guys can pull mid five hundred deadlift, and they can still run a six minute mile. You and know, that that can be that mid five hundred deadlift. Most of these guys are weighing two hundred pounds, so they're lifting over two. Oh, I mean, two times body weight. Yeah, and they're doing it for reps. Some of them can, and those type of things show up. And in they CrossFit show up. Events. And just think, if I have a five hundred pound deadlift, and they put a three fifteen deadlift on, I got a twenty one fifteen nine. That twenty one fifteen nine is not going to be that hard for me. At it least won't be mentally, as hard. At, le- at least mentally, I know that I can pull over five hundred pounds. That's almost fifty percent of what I got. What I'm about to do for multiple reps. Exactly. So not only do you have a physical advantage, but now you're going to have a mental advantage too, going into uh, any event that involves a heavy barbell. Yep. So absolute strength is absolutely important, pun intended. Yes. Um, but probably in the sport of CrossFit, what is more important than absolute strength is your strength capacity, or your, and and you can break that down into. Um, things that you hear buzzwords like cp battery um and uh muscle contractile capability like how quickly can you recharge your system so you can do a higher percentage of your max and that's probably used more in crossfit but you need to understand that it's 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 pretty simple numbers that if your max deadlift is 315 and your max deadlift or or your max deadlift is 550 that 550 is going to be a lower or the 315 is going to be a lower percentage for someone who's 550 than it is for 315. So if that 315 comes up in a 2159 and your max is 315, you are going to have a very difficult time for it, no matter how efficient your CP battery or your absolute your capacity is. Right. So getting that absolute strength of is very important. But let, why don't we let's talk about strength capacity um, a little bit and, and how that plays into the sport. All right. A great person to probably use for this analogy is uh, the man, uh, Chris Spieler. Chris Spieler, you know, he's 160 pounds. I think that was the heaviest he got up to, 160, 165 pounds. Bloated. Yeah, and (laughs) and he's probably got like, what, a mid-400 deadlift, I think. That probably sounds right. I think he got up to mid-400s, maybe like 425, 450 right there, which, I mean, for him, that's a huge number. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's getting close to three times body weight. Yep. And – What's so impressive about him is that his absolute strength, looking at it on paper, like if you just saw, hey, Chris Spieler, you know, you saw a 385 squat and then like a 405 deadlift. I'm just – I'm giving him benefit of the doubt. I don't know what his scores are. But then he turns around and he has to do 21.59 at that 315, uh, that regional workout, 315 deadlift, uh, 30-inch box jump. He reps out that 315 pretty well. 
Yeah, and, absolutely. And so his strength capacity is very, very high. He can work at a much higher percentage of his one rep max over a duration of time. And that's what's going to give him an advantage whenever it comes to these CrossFit workouts that involve a heavier load. And uh, that's and what makes him such such a great athlete because now he has such an aerobic base, but then also he has such a strength uh, strength capacity base too. Yeah, and he hasn't <clears throat> done he hasn't created that capacity by doing Fran, no. right? I mean that 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 attributes to a lot of things, but it's uh, things more like going heavy at a high percentage of your volume, things like EMOMs that you see mm-hmm. a lot of people doing and stuff like that, and just working at that higher percentage basically being out of breath and lifting heavy at the same time um and there's a lot of cool tricks that you can do to make that happen but that's the basic idea about it um so and and i think most would agree um most good coaches would agree that that capacity is probably actually more important in this in the state of crossfit or in the sport of crossfit than absolute strength even though you have to have that prerequisite strength Mm -hmm. um what would you say just curious what would you say right now and i know we talked about this in a previous podcast um, what would you say those prerequisites are in, like, say, overhead press, um, squat, and deadlift, the minimum to be at a, let's say, regionals level right now? Well, I wouldn't even say that uh, – I, I hate using numbers uh, so much, but you – know, Well, they numbers, change num- numbers as change. the sport progresses. But, but when it comes, like, to the strict press and deadlift and other, and other movements like that, generally for the strict press, you're looking at a body weight strict press is, like, the lowest minimum that you really want to have, body weight strict press. Now you can do a bodyweight strict press. I don't care what your weight is. You're doing really well. Uh, for younger guys, it's going to be a little bit – or for the smaller guys, it's going to be a little bit easier than heavier guys. Yeah. But body weight, uh, body weight's really good. Uh, the deadlift, like I said, you're looking – if you want to make it to the games, you need to be – if you're a guy making it to the games, you need to be pulling 500 pounds, yep. 500 pounds or more, and be able to rep that out. Two and a half times body weight. Two and a half times body weight, two times body weight. Back squats, you're looking at – like 1.75 body weight so i weigh 225 that would put me up to around 450 for that put me up at least a 405 back squat but if i have that i need to be able to rep it out at a high rep it's curious about that too because obviously you know the back squat is is the king of all strength movements but we find that in crossfit that having a 500 pounds back squat isn't quite as important as having that heavy deadlift just because there's a lot more pulling involved and typically um even at a regionals level the squatting mechanisms or the amount for any squatting mechanism that they use, the amount isn't quite as high of a percentage. And, and we don't know why it could just be for maybe they're worried about safety purposes or maybe they're worried about um, bottlenecking people in workouts. But yeah. um, but think, you do find that it's less of a percentage. I don't know. I've been coming more and more of a fan of the front squat. And I think a front squat is becoming more of a tester in, in CrossFit now. Absolutely. Especially for the elite athletes. Because the guys that can front squat 405 or the high 300s, those yeah. are the guys that are performing well. Because every movement in CrossFit that we do, we it's don't in do that upright position. You don't see it's an upright position. You don't see the low bar. You don't see a low bar squat. You yeah. don't have to have a low bar squat. If they did a one rep max in the back in the games, then you would probably see a low bar squat pop up. That's not saying, do don't, that. yeah. That, let's not get any haters. That's not saying the low bar squat doesn't have some purpose and oh, it has translation in, 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 in yeah. a strength and in translation into like say your pull on a deadlift. Um, but we do know that almost every movement in CrossFit, as far as from a squatting mechanism, that movement pattern is in that more upright position of a front squat, be it the clean, mm-hmm. a wall ball, an air squat, um, an overhead squat, a snatch. All those movements are in that upright position. So if you want to be good at that, getting your front squat or, you know, 
or a high bar back squat to overload um, is definitely more important <clears throat> to put into your program. Yeah, I've, I've told I've told Sarah, I've had conversations with a lot of athletes and some other coaches, and I always tell them the most athletic movement that I can have any kind of um, athlete perform is the front squat. If I have somebody that comes in and they can front squat uh, 350 pounds, and you got some guy that can back squat 405, that guy that can front squat it's probably going to kick that other dude's ass because yeah. it's a more athletic movement. It puts you in a better position. You see, I was going to say doing crunches on a stability ball or, yeah. an, in, or an indo board. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's what I tell my clients. Hang on. Would you that, repeat that's that why last you statement? <laughs> I really need to write this down. So you said the stability ball. Stability ball. Yeah. And, and that's why. You're actually writing anything, Brandon. And that's why your team is like second in the um, in the open right now. And, and our team is, well, we're just getting it together. So. We'll talk next year. It's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> that indoor board a little more. It's all right. Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We still got another year to train too, and oh, I got man. a bunch of backups. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I got people waiting in the wings. I'm just waiting until they start. The I'm waiting until uh, the regionals starts making people have a masters individual in there, like um, like Grid does. Hey, we got that too. <laughs> I just found out. I just found out. A side note. I just found out. You know who Tommy Nobis is. He's That's the very absolutely. first draft pick by the Atlanta Falcons. He's the very first football player ever to be signed by the Atlanta Falcons. His okay. son goes here. His name oh, wow. is Kevin. Cool. Nice. And he's a he's an older gentleman. So free and, tickets? Uh, he's yeah, yeah. He's an older gentleman and uh dude, he's a stud. And I've always we've always been like, How who is this? Genetics, guy? man. And then he told me I, just, I didn't when even know until like oh. the, I just didn't even know until like two days ago. Oh. And how long uh, has his son been coming here? Uh, well, his son is like 50 years old almost. Oh, man. And, so uh, that could be a good segue into talking about genetics, too, because that's something we need to talk about. So we can take yeah. a break from the actual program and we can talk about exactly um, how important it is to be you know, genetically gifted now as the sport goes on. So you can create a good program. You mm -hmm. can stick to that program. Mm -hmm. um, you can do everything right. And um, if someone who is gifted is also doing that, they're going to beat you every single time. So... Um, it's so much more important if you don't have that genetic blessing of just having a, a dad that's a football player and a mom that was a level 10 gymnast. Um, you're, you're probably, you, you might have to work a little bit harder than somebody does. And what we're seeing in the sport is we're seeing more and more people with that really high level genetic background or, or gift or whatever you want to call it come into the sport. Um, this is all very encouraging. Yeah, Thanks. yeah, right. <laughs> so basically, we, yeah, exactly. So basically, what we're trying to say is that Give you need weeks, to work bro. harder. You need to be consistent, and it is very important if you want to be good at the sport to do everything right. Now, um, five, six years ago, you didn't quite have to do everything right, and you could still be at a high level. But at the point where we're at now, it's kind of a must. Right. So. Mm -hmm. So anyways, so we'll, we'll, we'll kick back into that. I, I want to talk about because we talked about strength, how important that is. Everybody likes to be strong. Um, something that a lot of people don't like to do or a lot of people don't like to talk about, especially the guys that are really big and strong, is that aerobic output. So, Brandon, can you explain that one to yeah, us a little bit? Well, we had uh, our last podcast with Matt Baird that we had on here. We talked about the aerobic power. We mentioned that and what it is now to be the elite level CrossFitter and being able to sustain uh, a workout over time. I mean, look at these regional workouts that are coming up now. I mean, these are going to be much longer, much longer than what they used to be. Uh, what about Randy though? Randy's That's crazy. Be, Randy, are you excited about that one? 
I'm not really excited to watch any of those workouts, honestly. <laughs> They're going to be kind of boring to look They're at. Be, but uh, That's when I'm going I'm to go get me a beer, and I'm going to come back and just watch the last <laughs> last three minutes of each workout. <laughs> I don't know. I think it, for Randy, yeah. there might be people that are just about done in three minutes. I think Randy will see somebody probably in the two-and-a-half-minute range. You're say, what is it, uh, 25 reps a minute? So. No, you'll see somebody out there ripping and gripping, and somebody somebody will be able to sustain the output to about two and a half minutes up. And you really uh, think so? I think somebody. I think reps. Some, wow. I think somebody will get seventy five reps in two and a half minutes. Wow! I just uh, I, somebody's gonna grip and rip and yeah. and uh, but anyways, that's we'll see that's how they do for the rest of the weekend. You know, yeah, we'll see yeah. how they do for the rest <laughs> of the weekend. And they got Tommy V right after that, so both of those are pretty tough when you low back. And so Randy yeah. is not an aerobic workout. Uh, Randy to me is that mid that two to three minute range. For most people. Now for the aerobic, the higher somebody's aerobic capacity is, the longer they can sustain a high level of effort, the better they're going to be at that workout. The more it's going to become localized muscle fatigue. But if you have somebody that doesn't have a high aerobic power, that's their heart rate's going to get up so high at about ninety seconds in that they're going to have to stop and drop the bar. And just for all the listeners out there that don't know what Randy is. Randy is 75 power snatches or 75 power snatches at 75 pounds. If you're getting serious about oh. regionals and trying to get to that level you sh- and you don't know what Randy is, then there is there is probably a little bit of an issue. Right. That, that, I, I can honestly say I've never done Randy and I will never do Randy unless I qualify for the game, <laughs> I qualify for regionals, and they make me do it. <laughs> not on your list. No, I've, it's I've not, done it's it. It's not yeah. on my yeah. list. I've done it. It's 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 worse than 75 kettlebell swings with a two oh, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, it's way Which worse. It's, you know, it's, just it's, moving it's so much not faster. too much further. Yeah, it's 75 pounds for 75 reps um, and uh, just ground overhead. So It's so simple. It is very simple, so but it, it sucks like so much. 75 reps of anything back to back is 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 really crappy, and that's yeah. and that's where you know. Well, the, now there's so many other facets that go into aerobic capacity. You go into Randy, so we can really break down Randy, and you can look at technical proficiency in the snatch. Then you can look at what kind of snatch they're going to do. Then you can look at what their aerobic power is, and will they be able to sustain the muscle snatch or the power snatch for 75 reps up breaking it up there's all these different little facets that you have to take into effect and uh that's the thing about aerobic power getting back to it it's not just getting on a trend uh, getting on a getting on a row and be like all right i'm gonna row a 5k every day while that is important well it is important what that makes you better at in aerobic capacity in the aerobic capacity world is rowing that 5k yeah. um when i'm and, looking at aerobic capacity i'm looking at intervals so instead of getting on a row and rowing to 5K, I'm looking at five 1,000s. With as much variety as you three can possibly rest. have. I'm looking at five 1,500s yeah. with three minutes of rest. And can you keep each one of those intervals within three to five seconds of each other? And again, that rowing makes you better at that rowing. But what we found is that that capacity, that aerobic capacity, while it helps you, it doesn't necessarily absolutely make you better at that same duration of a workout. Right. Were that workout to have a squatting movement pattern in it or a uh, pressing movement pattern in it, it's a completely different thing. So you need to be good at your aerobic power output 
and your strength capacity throughout all of these movements that come up so often. So yeah, obviously the simple question is you just got, or the simple answer is you just got to do CrossFit. You've got to do, do CrossFit, you've got to do as many variety, as much variety as you possibly can, but you need to do it intelligently and you need to make sure you know where you're at. So you know how much you need to do. Um, and, and, and that's kind of what it comes down to. And that's where it's kind of difficult where people get confused is, well, I should, should I do three Metcons a day just to make sure that I'm, I'm hitting everything. Um, what is aerobic power? Where is that window? So maybe you can talk about that a little bit, Brandon. Talk about you know what those windows are that you see common and, and, and how well, to how to get those things done. The things that I see common in the best in the best of the best right now is that every morning almost you'll see every elite crossfitter gets up and they breathe heavy. Every morning they get up and they do some type of aerobic work to get their day going. Whether it's getting on the skier, getting on a rower, getting on the airdyne bike, or just going for a jog, these people get up in the morning and they put in a sustained amount of uh, sustained amount of effort over a long time, just in a single modality movement. That helps kind of kickstart. That helps build their aerobic capacity. Miko Salo said it best. Uh, he did. He said it back in 2009. Whenever they went um, over there, Savon went over there and did a documentary on him. That. Uh, even Miko back then said, this is where I build my capacity at. He does like 10, 400 meter runs every 90 seconds. That's a lot. Yeah. And, and it, it doesn't get, you don't get much more of a battery than Miko Salo. Yeah. For sure. I mean, if you want to look at the best of the best, that dude's work capacity at one point in time, I think was probably one of the biggest in CrossFit. And I want to say the biggest in the world or anything like that, because there's some dudes out there that can row a marathon in like two hours but if we're talking about aerobic capacity power output so but what you're not saying you're not saying that these people get up and they do fran four times in the morning no they're working on sustained effort yeah high effort for long sustainment so if we're talking about a percentage base more around 85 they're looking you're looking at 70 to 80 percent i would say 70 to 80 percent in the morning because you can't sustain above that for an extended period of time or you're using a completely different energy system so question when you say extended period of time like what kind of a what are we talking whenever we're talking about extended period of time i'm thinking anything over like two to three minutes because that's that secret little switch that your body has to turn on. You can't be pure anaerobic. You have to be that good mixture of aerobic and anaerobic to be in those time domains. And then if we can take some of those intervals up to five minutes apiece, now you're being purely aerobic almost. But it's how, how hard can you push in that in those certain time frames. Oh, okay. That's the difference between you see somebody that runs a five and a half minute mile compared to an eight minute mile. And that's kind of basic CrossFit level one stuff. If anyone's taking that level one is, is saying that, you know, you have those kind of three main ones that we focus on. Um, and, and they all, they're always working, but there's some that are, you know, powering over others, um, depending on where you're at in that time range. And it's so much mm-hmm. different for everybody. Oh yeah. Everybody's um, going to be different. Um, for sure. So, and we got I me mean, for everybody, you don't know how much sleep they've had, what kind of food they've had, what kind of, uh, mental toughness that they have whenever it comes to this type of training. I mean, you have to really, really dig down deep when you're that, doing those. That's where the testing comes in for the aerobic power. When, when you're doing these tests and you're trying to figure out, you need a good test of saying, okay, I did this and I felt like this. I did this for this amount of time and I felt like this. And then you need to have someone that knows what those answers mean so they can give you that that stimulus, that diagnosis or whatever that you need to improve in those things because somebody may be way more elactic um, than they are aerobic or someone might have a really, really high aerobic base, um, but their aerobic power, um, in other words, you know, how high of a level of their overall 
intensity they can sustain for an extended period of time might be mm. lower than others. Yeah. Somebody might be able to row at 65% for three hours and barely get out of breath. But if you tell them to row a 10K um, and, and keep a, you know, keep a, a sub 40 pace, they, they might die and not be able yeah. to make it. So, um, so those are the things that you need to look at from a testing perspective when you're testing yourself or when you're having someone test you or if you're testing um, an athlete of your own that you're coaching that you need to think about um, both capacity and power output. So, And then um, last thing I want to talk about before we go into um, like assessment specifically is, is skill. And maybe we should have talked about this one first. These guys, guys, these aren't necessarily in any order. They're all, I would say, equally important. Um, with the exception of maybe that first one, that mobility stability piece, um, but developing that high level of skill in these movements. So, um, Brandon, I know you're, you know, you're very big on technique, positioning, form, and everything like that. You've been doing this for a long time. Um, how do you approach that? Uh, anytime we got skills, first, uh, uh, recognizing correct movement patterns. So it's breaking down each movement, whatever that skill is. Let's take the snatch because the snatch is the number one movement most people really focus on so kind of going back to that to the very first thing we talked about movement right right is creating movement sequencing so if you well let's think about we watch like a gymnast in the olympics do uh you know a bar routine it looks flawless like you look at the body it's always in a perfect straight lines and you know you know like bend in the knees or anything like that like everything's just always just perfect whenever you watch that and then you walk into the gym and you see somebody on the pull-up bar and their body looks like a bow or not even a bow i would say like a pretzel. Leg, like a pretzel like a lego piece that's like a all, cornucopia like, it's a lego piece that's sectioned off like a going around i wish we had a video right now yeah we've got a no. cornucopia we drawn. To, we'll take a picture of it and post it <laughs> the cornucopia the cornucopia <laughs> it of the looks garage like athlete. the apple the peach does look like a butt yeah no, it looks there's a lot of wrong with that <laughs> anyways go ahead yeah and uh so you look at you see a gymnast come in you see them do like a pull up on a bar push a pull up bar or yeah just a basic pull up and then you see like a regular client or just regular gym goer do a pull up on a pull up bar and you see these huge differences just in body positioning and the way the body moves and the body sequences throughout the movement and the same thing happens whenever you look at uh some of the best weightlifters in the world um on youtube doesn't matter say the chinese lifters everything is flawless and perfect and everything looks the sequencing of the movements looks so beautiful it's like poetry you know and then yeah. you go into a, then you go into a gym and you watch somebody try to snatch and it looks like they're about to break their back yeah and it, it may maybe a heavy weight but it, it still looks i mean weight. there's maybe. a lot of high level crossfitters or in my opinion you know pretty high level crossfitters that don't move that great and mm -hmm. that's what's holding them back from getting to that next level yeah. for sure and one thing that like today in, my, in our gym we're doing a max snatch and every 90 they're starting off at like 50 percent of the max and going up 10 5 to 10 pounds depending on where their max is every 90 seconds so i put in a built-in rest and i preach and preach and preach every rep looks the same so their first rep at 50 percent better look the same as if they hit a pr yeah that's the goal. Or we're cutting them off. Or we're cutting you off. Yeah. You know, as soon as I see something break in the technique, some some flaw. If it's not something you they, would want to show your have, mom. Even if they have a flaw right now, if it gets worse and gets exponentially worse throughout the lift, because not everybody's perfect. I mean, you go back to 10,000 hours. It takes 10,000 hours to perfect anything. Yeah, and that's that's what we want to talk about. So, yeah, so do you think those weightlifters, this is a rhetorical question, do you think those weightlifters or those, perfect, you know, those high-level gymnasts, started off with that extreme routine or started off hitting that one rep max 
or did they spend hours and hours and hours, like we talk about 10,000 hours, perfecting it with almost no weight or perfecting the absolute basics of just holding your body properly on a bar if you're, right. if you're talking about a bar routine. And that's what they did. And that is the difference between those high-level athletes spending that time on that skill and a CrossFitter that learned the snatch in a level one cert or in a class of the PVC pipe and they want to try and max out afterwards. Or they want to go teach somebody else how to do it. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> that's a different That's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. But they uh, – so, I mean, it takes 10,000 hours to develop a skill. So, how – and we're talking about 10,000 hours. And you go back to the 1,000 uh, – never mind. I was about to get sidetracked even more. <laughs> but I was about to go back to the injury rate. You know, yeah. 10,000 hours to 1,000 hours. But, there, I mean, that's some a lot there. of time. So, if we break it down like – I broke it down. Ten thousand hours 30 to perfect injuries. anything. Didn't know, but how many years is that in a gym? Way longer than most people have that crossfitted is so, for. That's a lot of classes. That's a and, lot and that's to of get, crossfit and, Well, and that's to get good at one thing. Like that's the to get good at jerk. one thing. Well, what if you added the gymnasts and all the gymnastic movements and all the weightlifting movements and the powerlifting movements and all these other type of things that you need to do, your aerobic capacity, your strength. You're, you're in for like your a mind 40, 50,000 <laughs> odd hours. And so basically <laughs> what we're saying is that there's no way you can do it and you should just stop. Is <laughs> no, that not what we're saying? No, no, that's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. Be patient. Yeah, absolutely. And whenever whenever you see a program and you see like a heavy single for the day, that doesn't mean go in there and just rip the bar off the ground and try to throw the bar over your head. No, that means that for that don't day. Don't separate your shoulder for an extra three pounds. Yeah, no, no don't worry about it. Move perfect. That's what this whole thing is about. Even when we talked, when we started off with mobility and stability, it all comes back to movement. When you even get to your absolute strength, it's still going to go back to movement. And now that we're here with the skills, what's it going back to? It's going back to movement. So everything that you do, you need to make sure that you're trying your best to do it flawlessly. And you got to seek people out that know how to do it flawlessly that can help you out. And that's what we're trying to do. Absolutely. That's and, what we're here for. And, and, and I can't say that we spent... I've spent a lot of time in the gym. I wish I had logged all my hours in on being on the whiteboard. Probably look at the rower and see how many rows you. Yeah. But, I mean, we've put put a lot of time in in perfecting movements, and we're still trying to perfect our movements. I mean, how many times do you videotape yourself still lifting weights? And it's not to look at yourself and be like, man, dude, I got some abs. No, for me, it's mainly that. <laughs> for me, it's mainly that. It's those 15-second Instagram videos that I'm trying to post. No, um, no, I think it's a very good – I think, and one of my favorite quotes of all time is uh, you know, Robert Anton Wilson, and he says, um, there are some jokes you cannot understand until you've been a fool many years and thought yourself finally cured only to find out you've just become a different kind of fool. And, and, what, that means to, <laughs> and what that means to me is that – at any given time, we think we know anything or everything, right? Or we, we think we're at that, that apex and then give a year or two later and we look back at where we were and we realize, man, we didn't know anything. And so what we have to understand with that, if you want to be a truly the greatest athlete you possibly can, is, is to be humble and to be willing to learn and to be willing to put in the hours to improve yourself, um, not just beating yourself up, but in all aspects. Um, because there may be a different training methodology that comes out, um, you know, that 
that is better than the basic idea of CrossFit or, or, or somebody has this new program or whatever. And it might be BS, but it's also something that you need to take into account and continually grow as an athlete. So any program, probably the most important thing for a program <clears throat> or anyone that does programming for any clients is to constantly get feedback and to constantly try and find out more about that person, about what they need, and then about themselves as well and seeing what they can do better to better improve their athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very important. That's something that's probably not talked about a lot. But so, so yeah, so going back to the skills, super, super important if you want to be at that very, very, very high level. And it's not something that you want to do after you've been doing it for three years. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, any time is a good time to start. But, um, I mean, it's something that you need to take um, a lot of consideration to instead of spending 15 minutes uh, three times a week doing. Right, right. Um, I mean, you really have to devote yourself to it. And, I mean, perfect example of this right now is Matt Frazier, man. He's the man. And how much time did he spend doing just pure Olympic lifting before he even got into CrossFit? Um, I mean, the first 10 years of his life. He went out to OTC, went out there and hung out. And now you see him doing gymnastic stuff. And, man, he's doing some – I don't know well, if y'all saw him do is like a backflip from a hand position on the jerk blocks. You're also seeing people that have spent a lot of time yeah. on one or two of those things, like high level gymnasts. And that's why high level gymnasts translate so well in the CrossFit. That's why high level weightlifters. It doesn't take quite so long to build that aerobic capacity um, if you're already strong and you have really good skill movements and, and body awareness or mm-hmm. proprioception, right? Um, it doesn't take quite as long to build that strength if you're already very explosive and you have ex, you know, excellent that kinesthetic awareness and, and knowing how to move your body in space. Um, but it does take a long time to fix issues that you didn't fix on the front end. Right. right. So that's why like somebody shout out to my buddy, Jared Enderton, who's been doing weightlifting, you know, most, you know, most of his life, high level weightlifter. And he just kind of picked up CrossFit and now he's a grid athlete, you know, um, because he's gotten really, he was already really strong and he moves very well. And now suddenly, you know, he's great. Or somebody like Dimitri Klokov, who was already ridiculously strong and just such a gifted individual, but he learns how to do some of these movements and he's a grid athlete. Um, obviously these guys aren't going to the CrossFit games because at that level, it is a little bit higher. Um, but you know, any, any professional gymnast, somebody like Emily Bridgers, right. Who is, mm-hmm. who has been such, um, who's, who was such an amazing gymnast before she ever got into this. And all of a sudden she learned the barbell movement. She put in the time to build her capacity up and now look where she's at now. I mean, it took Emily three or four years to get where she is now. And now people just heard about her and they think about her now, but man, I've got to see Emily go through the grind of making it to regionals and just being a few spots out, having that one bad workout come up and just kick her out. Yep. And that girl – She was a bridesmaid so and much. not a bride for many years. Yeah. And, she, and, and she's put now, in the work. And now, man, she's the bride. Now she's yeah. getting – I mean, she is – I mean, she's got a legitimate shot this year at making some noise. It's going to be great to see her and Sam Briggs throw down together. But the reason why those people have come up so well is because they put the time in on the front end. Yep. Yes, they haven't been doing CrossFit for a decade but they have been doing the things that are important to get them at that high level skill. So when we say work on skill, again, we can't make it more, we can't really put it at a higher level than it is. Like you need to focus on that um, 
you know, so, so much um, if you want to get at that level. It's not, again, yeah. it's not something that, oh, you got to muscle up. Cool. Now let's just, um, I got it. I, I did the one arm and then the other arm thing or whatever. So now I'm good. I'm going to go do Amanda. Like, no, this is a lot of development that has to come in to yeah. make everything I mean, like, perfect I still, and beautiful. I still do banded, seated, strict muscle ups. And you've been doing this and for I've been a doing long this time. For six years. And, and again, let's talk know. back. You had a wrestling career, so you had that capacity. Yep. You had a lot of stability um, because there's probably no other sport that builds that that natural stability over throughout your entire body than um, you know than wrestling. Any than kind of any wrestling. kind of contact sport, you know, yep. or especially like fighting, jujitsu. Yep. Uh, you know all the MMA's that are coming out now. Except most of the MMA guys are too beat up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, most of them are too beat up already from wrestling or doing whatever yeah, they did go, before. Yeah. And now they're getting them there punched and all the time. That's another. That's another thing to talk about one day. But so going yeah, up, they, uh, but with your skills, it's just finding weaknesses, and then you seek and you seek out your weaknesses and you find out how to fix them. Whether it's getting on the right program or you just go find a professional coach, a coach, an expert coach. Yes, that that would be the number one thing. If you can find a coach that where where you're at, a good weightlifting coach, a good gymnastic coach, um, someone who is, and I'm not talking about someone who took a seminar over the weekend or something. I'm talking about someone who has years of experience and knows exactly how you need to move, and you can be very comfortable with understanding and listening to everything they say and doing what they say because you know they're going to get you to that level that you need, and then doing that constantly repetition to the point of it being just pounded into you and boring and everything else and I know it's not glamorous but that's what needs to happen if you want to get to that level so you have to bring out the pros and cons are you willing to do what it takes to get to your goal how how big is your goal what is the why behind your goal is that why important enough for you to sacrifice the things you need to uh, sacrifice to get to that and for some of you it may be for some of you it may not be and and that's fine either way but so what this all comes down to is we're talking about assessments and how to assess something because in order to create a good program or an individualized program or a specialized program for someone we need to have the answers to these questions you know where are you lacking at where are you already good at what do you need to work on what maybe you can hold off on right um, so basically a good assessment is going to come down to checking your stability and mobility and that will probably be number one and then checking and testing your strength both absolute and capacity then checking and testing your aerobic capacity and power output and then going through and testing your your skill the efficiency um, of, of the movements and things like that so a lot of a lot of these things videos work very well with you can send it in videos and as long as you have a coach that you know um, that they know what they're looking for, they'll be able to look at that. Some of these things are a little bit harder. Some of the skill stuff is a little bit more difficult to go back and forth with. While you can write emails back and forth, there's nothing better than that. So um, we, we are developing some camps that we're going to be doing for that in the future, so stay tuned for that. But basically what we're trying to explain to all you guys on how to do this is that we have created a system that we believe is the best and yet most probably most affordable way to get that individual feel of programming without actually having to pay the ridiculous amount of money for an individualized coach. And we do that through an assessment system and programs that we have created to, depending on where you fall in that assessment, where you need to work on. And we do that by taking all these parameters, looking at your lowest common denominator and plugging that in and putting you in a system to help that while not losing all the other things. We develop that to be able to 
test you out after every single cycle and continue to have you grow as an athlete well-rounded. So basically you're getting the effect of being able to have an individualized program and a one-on coach without actually having to do it, um, which obviously saves a lot of time for everybody and allows the program to be more affordable than, um, than say an individualized program. So, um, Brandon, talk about the assessment and, and, and what you thought about when you went into it. Um, um, just in general, I know we've already talked about the assessment, um, what you need to do, but, um, talk a little bit about that. Uh, basically we're just going to do the three, the three movements I mentioned earlier, uh, just cause they're quick, easy, simple, and we can get an easy video of them. Uh, you'll take a one from the front, one from the a video from the front and the video from the side, uh, doing the overhead squat with just a BVC pipe, no bar, no load overhead. Uh, that's going to give us uh, not only your hip mobility, but it's going to show us your ankle. And That'll knee. tell them all the secrets. Yeah, some and, of them. No, yeah, and it'll <laughs> tell us a little bit about your uh, your upper body mobility, your uh, trunk mobility as well, and then the inline um, the inline lunge and or hurdle step, whichever one to be easier uh, to do for you, and then uh, the trunk stability push up. Uh, just because the trunk stability push up, I think it's just a really good way to test not only upper body strength, but the connectivity i guess you could say between all the way from your hands down to your feet and you taking a static position and hold and making it a dynamic effort so you're holding basically a plank position but then again you have to move your body weight while maintaining that static position that'll give us a lot about uh any kind of asymmetries that you may have or instabilities that you may have uh in the body with those three movements and they cover a lot of uh, a lot of different areas from a biomechanical uh from biomechanic standpoint but that's the assessment very simple very easy but it's going to give us a lot of information and that's the actual movement stability assessment and then obviously we have a kind of a barrage of testing that will find out kind of where you lie with the statistics of of you know what your goals are being at regionals games or just you know high level local competing um where you need to be at with each one of those and we will have your basic strength testing your aerobic output power testing and then also uh, you know like brandon kind of touched on your skill not just the movement itself but how well do these movements look is it something that we need to put additional time in to get them to the point to where you're efficient enough to be able to um safely and efficiently perform them under fatigue because we know that very few times in crossfit are you doing these high level skill things when you're not under fatigue um and in order to be able to accomplish that um having that super high level efficiency it's the most important thing if you are interested in doing this program or you want to ask more questions about it um email us at justin at garage athletes that's athletes with an s.com and um, we will put you on the sign-up sheet. This thing will be dropping in uh, the next couple of weeks. Um, we want to get make sure we get a group together because we're going to test out with everybody. Um, we'll have um, a couple extra things like some um, uh, Facebook groups that we'll be doing. Um, and we'll have some people that will be looking at everybody's movements and stuff like that going back and forth. So we want to get the group together so we can kind of have a support as we're going through this thing um, with everyone that's in the different systems. Um, so, again, Justin at garageathletes.com. Um, for any questions or to sign up and um, as always go to our youtube channel garage athletes for a lot of the videos that we have including some mobility uh, mobility videos how-to videos things like that and um, subscribe to our youtube or subscribe to our podcast uh, the garage athletes and um, then garageathletes.com that's simple brandon give me one of your badass sign-offs
Shoot us an email. Boom. <laughs> Bam. Boom. Check Knowledge bombs. Hey, guys, it's like been fun. Facebook. We will see you next time. OAMAudio.com.